I want to talk about my favorite subject of faith. Revival is faith, and faith is revival. And, and I, you know what I believe? I think it's the most misunderstood, one of the most misunderstood truths in all the Bible. You hear people say all the time, I have faith. And I want to say, well, tell, show me in the Word where God spoke to you. Because if you are not connected, connecting that faith to the Word of God, then you really don't have faith. What you have is hope. You have uh, positive uh, thinking. And positive thinking can accomplish a lot of cool things. You know, some of you set out with a, a positive thought that you wanted to become a leader or a teacher or a business person or you wanted to be in this field or that. And so you started with positive thinking and you pursued that and you were dogged in your pursuit of it and you accomplished that. And that's good, but it's not faith. Um, it's hope. It is uh, uh, positive thinking. But faith is directly connected to the Word. And you know the Scripture. Pastor mentioned it uh, on Wednesday night. Let's say it together. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It's all over. Not just that one text. Remember that moment in the story of Elijah when he called down the fire from heaven? Remember his prayer? He said, Lord, I want them to know, I'm paraphrasing, that you're the God of heaven, that I'm your servant, listen to this, and that I've done all these things at your word then the fire fell you see i i'm convinced that the reason why most folks are very weak in their faith at best and have no faith often other than the faith to get saved if you're a believer this morning is because we don't understand the principle so let me give you in in, in the opening some of my favorite definitions uh, on the subject of faith some of you can say it with me because you've heard it so many times but i want to make sure we know what they are faith uh, if you google faith and I don't recommend uh, doing that. But if you were to, it'd take you to Hebrews 11.1. 1. The first definition of faith is faith is the substance of things hoped for. It starts with hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But number two, listen to this one. Some of you are faith people. I can see you're writing some of this down. And it's okay if you don't, but there may be one that jumps out at you that becomes your deal. Faith is also, somebody said one time, faith's like a leap in the dark. Oh, no, opposite of that. Faith is a leap into the light. It's when God speaks through His Word and you say, yes, I'll take that. Yes, I believe that. And you, you turn that faith into sight. So number two is a leap into the light. Third definition I have is one of my favorites. Listen to this. The quickened truth of God obeyed. The quickened truth of God. You're sitting down reading your Bible one day and God speaks to you and lets you know He's going to save your loved one. He's going to touch them or He's going to take them home. Whatever He speaks to you and you take God at His word and you believe it and obey it, that's faith. A quickened truth of God obeyed. That's number four. Number five, I'm hurrying now. I only got eight or nine of these. Number six, listen to this one. It's turning, faith is turning the eternal word of God into reality in your life. Listen to that one more time. Faith is turning the eternal truth of God into reality in your life. Quick story on that. We were in the old building. We were in the second service, bulging, busting at the seams. Some of you were in there with us. We were running two services in that, in that little uh, room. Started at 9, and then we had Sunday school in the middle at 10. And then 11 o'clock, uh, we had a service. And we, we just couldn't get anybody else. In fact, let me go ahead and welcome, I invite you to do something really important. I, I had to leave early last Sunday. Uh, and I want to challenge, there wasn't a parking place to be had. And I want to challenge some of you real faith people to park in the, in the uh, grass out in front of the student building. If we could have 20 or 30 people do that so that guests could have places and not pull through, uh, that happens sometimes when they look for a space and they can't find it. 
All right, back to my story. We were over in the, uh, in the other, I feel like that, uh, the, uh, that dog on the Up uh, movie where he says, you know, squirrel. You know, uh, yeah, I get off things. But we, we were over in the other building, and it, we were really growing there, and the Lord was about to speak to us on this. By the way, this is why last Sunday is so important, when Pastor Cameron shares vision. Because I remember praying and, and crying out to God, Lord, show us your next step. And the Lord took me to a passage in the Word of God that says, Behold, I will set you in a large place. Do you all remember that next Sunday morning I jump up and say, The Lord's spoken, we're supposed to build a building. People laugh about us building this building. They don't laugh anymore because it's already filled up. And they're, and they're going to continue laughing because we're going to continue to reach the people. But watch this. That scripture was enough for me to believe God. It's a leap into the light, not a leap into the dark. It's turning the eternal truth of God into reality in your life. Number six, this is one you can say with me. It's, it was what God gave me from my faith hero by the name of Manly Beasley that's in heaven right now. You've heard his name often. He said that faith is saying that it's so before it's so, in order for it to be so because God said it was so. Now it comes back to what God said. And by the way, if you're not in the Word, guess what? You don't have faith. And you need faith for your family. You need faith for your future. You need faith for your personal life. Some of you got major decisions to make about your vocation or your education or, uh, or, or you've got other major decisions or your ministry. And see, the problem is when he cast a vision that big last week, you'll get overwhelmed if you're not walking by faith. Here's another one. Faith is seeing the unseen. Don't you love knowing stuff before other people know it? Did you know you've been given a secret orders here? You've been given direction Things that are going to come to pass that you, you can get in on before other people get in on it. I remember I was in the state of Ohio, one more quick story, and we were in Finley, Ohio for a revival meeting at the Trinity Baptist Church. And they were having some issues in their church and they wanted to sit down with me and the leaders were there and they started talking and they said, done North Carolina, done North Carolina. Isn't there, a, isn't there some stations, or gas stations there called Hess? I said, yeah, there is. This was years ago. And they said, well, our company, Marathon Gas, have bought Hess. And within the next few weeks, they're going to be speedway. It's going to be speed, two speedways, one on each side of Dunn. I said, really? You promise? He said, yes. So I come back to town. I go straight to the Waffle House, Billy. And you may remember this or may not, but Oscar was in there. You were in there. And I said, hey, guys, I have something to tell you. Now, here's the city councilman. Here's the uh, mayor. And I said, I just want you to know that uh, Hess Station will no longer be around soon. Oscar said, now wait a minute, that's pretty good, that's a, that's a good business. I, I don't know about that time. I said, no, it's going to become a speedway. And I walk away, just walk away. And as I walk away, I'm thinking, I'm, this is so much fun because they're wondering, how does he know any of this? Well, I wait until a week after they're taking down the signs, changing everything. They put up the speedway stuff. I wait until about a week and I go in there and Oscar usually was in there every day. He's our mayor. And, uh, and I, I walk over to the guys and they both look at me like, how did you know that? And I said, I'm a prophet of God. <laughs> That's how. No, I didn't tell them I had a little inside information on that. But here's, let me tell you, do you know this church? Listen to this. If you're saved by grace, this Bible is the standard of your faith. Faith comes by hearing this book. If you've got answers, if you've got questions, excuse me, the answers are in God's Word. Do you believe that? If faith really is turning the eternal truth of God into reality in your life, you've got to get in the Word. 
You're you're facing a major issue or a, a, a matter that's too big for you. God knew you would face that, and so He gave you His Word. Finally, the last definition I have for faith this morning is confidence. Remember this verse, 1 John, and this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, how do we know His will? His Word. He heareth us. And if we know He hears us, we know that we have the petition that we desired of Him. Listen to me. The Bible says, cast not away your confidence. Hebrews 10, for it hath great recompense of reward. Now I'm looking at some people that need a faith lift this morning. And I'm talking about young people and middle-aged people and older people. I want you to listen and I want you to hear God speak on renewing your faith. And I want you to pray this way. God, renew my faith. Father, in the name of your son Jesus, I ask for your help this morning. I can already feel you here. Lord, thank you that uh, we're not going to miss your glory this morning, your presence, your manifested presence. And we're not going to miss the vision that our leader, our pastor, who you gave this to him for us. We're not going to miss it. And we're, gonna, we're not going to miss the vision you have for our, our lives personally. And God, we're not going to miss the vision you have for our families and our futures. And so God, speak to us through your word. Remove the enemy and every ounce of flesh. And may we hear from you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. A renewed faith. I wrote down what the pastor preached on. He preached on renewed hope, renewed joy, renewed love, and uh, last week, a renewed vision. You know, a lot of folks don't have much of a vision for their life and future. And if they do, it's a man-made vision instead of a God-given vision. Well, we're sitting in the upper room in the 22nd chapter of Luke. It's not real bright because it's candlelit. And you can almost feel the anticipation as the disciples are sitting there with Jesus. It's not my message, but as he disclosed some of his plan, he said something in verse 20 as he was giving them the Lord's Supper that really blew my mind. I have to share it with you because it was so sweet. Jesus says it, verse 20, Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Did you get what he said? You talk about the gospel in a little nutshell. In this sentence, Jesus is stating that no longer would the blood of sacrifices of the old covenant be necessary. He's saying to the disciples, and it's freaking them out a little bit because he's about to leave them. But he says to them that uh, I'm going to shed my blood and my blood, listen to this, will, will attain for every sin of every sinner Throughout all of time. In other words, I'm coming to pay the sin debt for the world. What a sweet truth in the gospel. Who was it that said, it might have been a pastor the other day, that the gospel can be stated in four words. Jesus took my place. Can we say that together? Jesus took my place. That's the good news of the gospel. You know, old Peter, he starts out in faith. You remember the beginning of his story? When Jesus came by and he's fishing. And Jesus said, follow me. Remember what he did? He just followed Jesus. A little later, the Lord would say, hey, let down your nets. There's a bunch of fish. I, Lord, we fished all. Let down your nets. And every fish tried to get in those nets, break them. Fast forward three years, and Peter's now struggling. 
to renew his faith. He, he is going to have a moment that you're, you and I are going to see, and we're going to talk about the renewal of our faith. And by the way, for the record, oh, how Jesus loved Peter. And I, I'm convinced Peter loved him. The Lord, the Lord had to correct him so many times because he spoke often, and he spoke the wrong thing. But sometimes he said things that were really powerful too. Don't discount him. Remember what he said when he saw the Lord? He said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Remember what he said when he was asked the question by Jesus, who do you say I am? Well, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then there was that time when he blew it a little bit, and he rebuked Jesus, and he said, be it far from thee to suffer. And then later he would say to Jesus something nobody had ever said before. Hey, Lord, if it be thee, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he did walk with him a little while. Then when he took his eyes off and started to sink, you remember what he said next? Lord, save me. Peter was just a regular guy, you know. He had his ups and downs too. He had times when his faith was strong. And he had times when his faith was weak. So I want us to look at his life for a moment. And I, I want to just point out two or three things in the text. So let's see Jesus restore Peter's faith. And then let's ask him this morning to restore our faith. Let's begin reading in verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now after hearing that, the perfect humble response would have been, Lord, I, I don't want to fail. I Thank you for praying for me, and I want to get right right now. I want you to notice Peter's, number one, if you're writing down notes in the introduction, this is Peter's pride. And he, Peter, said unto him, Jesus, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Not only am I not going to fail you, not only is my faith not failing, but I want to tell you I am in good shape. I, I, uh, I believe you, and I, I, you, you can count on me. I, you know, I was thinking about this. <clears throat> I believe a lot of the times why people don't have great faith is they think they have it. And they ain't got it. They think they have it, and so they're not really looking to find out more. They're not looking to go deeper. They avoid the Word of God. They're not in it hardly at all. And I want to tell you something. If you think you have faith, I want to ask you, what do you believe in God for right now that you can't control yourself? What miracles are you seeing happen? Whose lives are you seeing changed? How deep are you going with God? I, I just wondered. I'm not just talking about coming to church. You see, Peter said, not me. I, I, this is not going to happen. I, don't think he, I don't think he believed what he was saying. I don't think he could imagine failing or his, or his uh, issues becoming like they are. He felt like, I got this. You know, most Christians I know are so confident with so little faith. It's kind of like that kid that's really naturally good as an athlete, a student athlete. And they just kind of do real well for a little while. And the coach tries to train them and help them with the basics, but they don't want to hear that because they already know more than the coach knows. You know what I'm saying? You know what happens to those people? They're washed up within just a short time. See, the natural talent without the training means nothing. Sometimes we feel like, you know, and I, somebody said, Mr. Kent Hughes that I study after, said he could just imagine Peter's thinking was, I tell you what, I'll show you, Jesus. I'll show all the disciples. I'm not going to fail. Number one, did you see Peter's pride? The second thing we see in the text is Peter's passionate outburst. After Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, 
reveals his pride, he begins to, to talk with him. And I want you to look at verse, um, verse 47. Verse 47 is the scene. And we're talking about his faith now. Renewing his faith. Renewing your faith. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas. So here comes Judas and all the soldiers. One of the twelve went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. And I understand in the text that is a lingering kiss on his cheek. But Jesus never misses an opportunity. And he's so sweet and full of grace. He is precious. We sang about that this morning. Look at verse 46. While Peter's kissing him, Jesus said unto him, Judas, excuse me, while Judas is kissing him, Jesus says, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with the kiss? When they which were about him saw they would, uh, what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? They had two swords, according to verse 38. One of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And Jesus said, uh, and Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far. That's enough. And he touched his ear and he healed it. We find out in the other gospel that this person who does this passionate outburst thought he was doing it in faith was Peter. Peter was the one that thought, I can't mess up. And here he is standing beside Jesus Christ. And in this moment, he grabs this sword. And we don't know really what he was trying to do. Somebody said, oh, he's trying to cut his head off. Well, I don't know what he's trying to do. You don't know what he's trying to do. But he did cut the man's ear off in that moment. And you know, sometimes people think they're full of faith when they do something bold or big. That's not necessary faith. Remember, faith is responding to the Word of God. It is responding to what God has said to you in His Word. It's obeying that. It's responding to that. In this moment, there's no faith at all in this. It was nothing more than an, than an outburst out of Peter's passion in that moment. Lack of control. He makes a foolish step. By the way, we've all done this. Number three, I want you to see an introduction. Not only Peter's pride and Peter's passion outburst, but I want you to notice Peter's prodigal moment. This is maybe one of the saddest places in Scripture. Beginning in verse 54, Then took they him, Jesus, and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. Now outside the house, something else is going to be happening. And Peter followed afar off. And when he had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down uh, together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he, Peter, denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not, number one. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not, number two. And about the space of one hour after, another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not. One of the other texts I said, believe it says he cursed and said, I, I know not what thou sayest. Number three. And immediately while he yet spake. I, are you, do you have imagination? I hope you do. If you don't, you should cultivate an imagination. Uh, honestly, I believe it's good to be able to see what God is doing in the text. If not, it becomes cold, dry words. I love my little app on the phone called Bible.is. I highly recommend it to anybody who loves to listen to God's Word in a dramatic form. If there are three people in the text, three people, three voices are given. Sometime in the background you can hear the crickets and the birds chirping and 
Sometimes uh, you can hear a little music in the background. It's like you, it puts you in the scene. And I want you to imagine what, we are, what we're seeing right now in the Word of God. The Bible says a moment after Peter denied the Lord the third time, he hears the shuffling of feet. And the Bible says, and the Lord turned. Well, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. They're bringing Jesus out of the house. After the inquisition, after the, uh, the, the, the moment when they're accusing him, they're bringing him out. And as he's walking out, the very second, it's all timed out perfectly. Peter denies that he even knows Jesus. And in that, in that last, in that same moment, Jesus is stepping out. And the Bible says, he looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Behold, the cock, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Three times. Boy, that look. Can you imagine? I mean, I, I feel bad. I told, uh, I can't tell the whole story because we're live streaming right now, but yesterday there were some people that I loved that were going to be at that wedding. And I was nervous about seeing them for the first time after Pastor Cameron came here to be our pastor because they were from his former church. I was All the way there, I was telling Terry, I was stressing out. Not kidding you. But when we got there and we pulled up the short story, Sometime we're not online, I'll tell you the rest of the story. We pulled up. The only space down near the, the wedding venue was one space. Guess who had just pulled in and were opening their doors? I thought, oh, Lord, please help me, God. Terry uh, first saw them. I stepped out of the car, and then they looked. And I could tell in their look that there was love and not hard feelings. And then we embraced. But Jesus was not to embrace Peter in this moment. Peter couldn't embrace him. Jesus was held as a prisoner. Peter then feels the weight. His faith, listen to this, his faith had not only failed, his pride had caused him to believe he couldn't. He had, he had blown it so bad in this moment. Could there ever be any hope for him again? Would he ever have faith again like he had when he first started following Jesus? And I don't know this morning if you have been a woman of faith, a man of great faith, and you believed, and you trusted God, and God blessed your life, and He blessed your home, and He blessed your family, and He blessed your ministry. Or whether maybe you've never had great faith. Did you know you at least had it one time if you're saved? You heard the gospel, how that Jesus died and was buried and rose again. You believed it. You said yes to Christ, and you at least embraced elementary faith. But faith is a, is a life experience. <clears throat> Some folks never believe God is able to restore their home and family, to restore the love between a husband and a wife, or to restore a, a wayward son. This week the phone rang. It was a dear friend whose son now is denying that he grew up in church knowing God, that he even believes the Bible, that he believes there is a God, and this family is broken. Well, let me tell you what happens in these moments when your faith is tested and you're down and out and you feel like it's over. We're going to see that in just a moment. It's time to step forward and find out what God has to say on the matter. Did you know he speaks to every issue you have? He speaks to every opportunity you'll ever have. God has a plan for your life.
He has a plan for this church. We heard a lot of it last week. I understand when we come in next week, when y'all do, I'll be on that mission trip, that that chapel's going to look a little different when we walk in next week. I'm looking around at the manifestation of faith everywhere and I just want to challenge you personally right now. What do we do when we find ourselves at a major lapse of faith? Well, I'll tell you what Peter did first. Look at what the Bible says in verse 61 or verse 62. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Can we at least acknowledge a moment of the fact that we're not experiencing the relationship with Him we, we want to and need to experience. Can we at least acknowledge our faith hasn't moved mountains? Maybe that there could be a greater faith. And I'll tell you what's standing, just so you know how big this is, what's weighing in the balance. Lost men and women, the souls of your grandchildren and your children are at stake when it comes to your faith. This is a big deal. And what I want to say this morning is, all of it, the answers to every issue of the renewal of my faith and the renewal of your faith is found in one little verse in this text. And I want you to look back over to verse 31. Verse 31. Do you remember this moment where Jesus said three things, and I'll give you this and we're done. And the Lord Jesus said, Simon or Peter, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Number one, I want you to see the proclamation before faith. Let me tell you something true. Not only about him, but about you. The enemy wants you. He wants your marriage. He wants your relationship with Jesus. He wants to sift you or break you down. I'm so burdened about this. Just People are, are unaware. They're just going along their merry way thinking everything's okay. It's not okay. For us to have weak faith or to have no faith at all. Number one, Jesus makes a strong proclamation here. He says, Satan hath desired you. I want you to know he wants you. He wants you depressed. He wants you anxious. He wants you fearing. He wants you failing. That's his plan. That's the enemy's plan. It's not God's plan. Number one, the proclamation is this. Satan hath desired to have you. Just so you know, when you don't spend time in God's Word and you don't hear what He's got to say about your family and about your children and about your loved ones and about your friends and you decide you're going to do what you want to do, it affects other people, by the way. It hurts people. It hurts the gospel when we act by sight, not by faith. We weren't made to live like that. God has a plan. His is a higher plan. It's a better plan. And the enemy stands back and laughs. But I want to tell you, listen to me. Satan hath desired your family and your children and this church and this community. That's the proclamation before faith. I, I think it's good for us to be aware of that. I, I don't want to talk about the devil much, but he's very much at work. He's all over the place. Where he can't be, he's got hordes of demons that are everywhere. Jesus said, Peter, I want to tell you this. <clears throat> Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Number two, I want you to see that not only the proclamation before faith, but look at the prayer for faith. Listen to what Jesus said to Peter. But I have prayed for 
be that thy faith fail not. Now hold on a minute. <clears throat> I don't know when it was that this really uh, came home to Peter. It may have been after he went out and wept bitterly and he went back to fishing. Remember when he went back to the fishing boat and he ends up finding Jesus uh, is out there on the shore and he's fishing. By the way, he's fishing naked. <laughs> and he's, uh, he grabs his fisher's coat when he realizes it's Jesus, throws it on him, swims into shore. He sits down for breakfast, a breakfast of fish. Pretty good breakfast. They get to talking and Jesus lets him know immediately, I, I, I'm not done with you. Just because your faith failed, just because you denied me, I'm not finished with you, Peter. And he says three times, he asked him, and three times Peter affirms his love for Jesus. Did you know you can love Jesus and still not have the kind of faith you need to have? Doesn't mean you don't love Jesus. It just means you're not listening to him. You're not enjoying the blessings he wants for you. He said, I have prayed for thee. Now I'm going to tell you, that, this one makes me want to shout. Because you know what that means? That means right now, Sue, while we're in this service, God Almighty is praying for you. Th this means, listen to what it means. It means that when you're going through the hardest moment, you're, your faith is being tested and tried, and instead of stepping out and believing, you're ready to take off running the other direction. You've laid your Bible down, there's no great faith. In those moments, listen, Seated at the right hand of the throne of God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is praying for you. That's what the Bible says. He ever liveth to make intercession for you students. He's interceding for you. Thank God He is. Because you guys are in trouble. Your generation's in trouble. Unless God moves in your life, unless revival breaks out, unless the glory of God we sang about this morning, you see it or experience it. Lots of you, sadly, this is what I've observed over nearly 40 years in this community. Some of you won't be sitting here with your families unless Jesus does His work. It won't matter how good a student ministry we have. Unless moms and dads have faith, unless some of you embrace your own faith, You'll be that student that says to his mom and dad, I don't believe the Bible. I don't know there's a God. But I'm telling you with some faith from the Word of God out of some preachers and some leaders and some uh, mamas and daddies in this place, the devil can't have our kids and our grandkids in our church. And the only way we will put up a wall against that is great Faith in God. And that faith comes from the Word and from the prayers of our Savior. Did you know it doesn't stop there? You know what the Bible says in Romans 8? That the Holy Spirit knows the infirmities of our faith. He knoweth our infirmities, all our weaknesses. And one of the big ones in the church is faith. And the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. Not only is Jesus praying for you, the Holy Spirit's praying for you. That you won't stop believing that you won't stop trusting, that you won't stop getting in the Word of God and hearing from the Lord so you can believe it and watch it come to pass. You know, through the years, it's been crazy. This is a faith church. The Lord brings entrepreneurs, people that are starting new ministries, are starting churches have come here, and the Lord's let us just preach faith like crazy to them. Because what God has done out here, man couldn't have done. The lives that have been changed, what the Lord Jesus has done over these years and what He's going to do in the future will all happen by faith. I'm done with this one. The proclamation before faith, Satan hath desired to have you, and I'll tell every one of you that, that he may break you down. 
Number two, the prayer for faith. But I have prayed for you, Jesus said, that your faith fail not. But Peter, I hate to tell you this, you're going to blow it. That's basically what he said here. And then he said this. Boy, this must have been encouraging to old Peter when he was sitting there with him by the seashore for him to remember this word Jesus gave him. When thou art converted, when you get right with me, Peter, when your faith is renewed, I'm not finished. Strengthen thy brethren. Peter, there's hope for you beyond this. It's not over for you just because you blew it, just because there was a season where you didn't have great faith. When you're converted, the possibilities, number three, the possibilities in faith. There's some big possibilities before some of us. Big possibilities. <clears throat> Lord, should I tell them? You know, the Lord gave me a, my first motor home five years ago. And I'm not a health, wealth, prosperity kind of guy, but, but there's all kind of possibilities for us. The Batons helped me. I, we worked on it, and Michael, we shined her up and got it all ready. It's still in the family. Stephen's using it now. But a mile, not even a mile from my house, on the back road between my house and Tiffany and the boys, I'd drive by that, I'd take that path all the way, all the time, back and forth and back and forth. And sitting right there was a <coughs> much newer one with buttons on it, and lots of tail lights, and a slide out, and a, and a generator. You know what a generator means? It means you could pull in Walmart of the evening, hit the button, slide her out, lock the door, and turn the TV on, go to sleep, and not have to get on as many airplanes. That's what a slide out means. That's what a generator means. But I didn't have enough faith, to tell you the truth, sadly. I just kept riding by it, riding by it. <clears throat> And then something happened. Months had passed. And all of a sudden, one night, me and Terry's gone. After we get through revival, we decide to listen to the live stream from this church. Pastor Cameron preached this text. still have it written down because it, it really made a difference to me. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 through 19. Charge them that are rich in this world. By the way, that's all of us. In the world economy, America's the two, top 2%. Two That's everybody here. That they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. You think you got, oh, I, I, got, I got me a good retirement. I got money stuck back everything. You know how quick it could all be gone? If you're trusting in uncertain riches, or I'm trusting that, we, we ain't using our heads. I don't care how much money you got access to. All of it could be gone. But trust not in uncertain riches. Listen to this part. But trust in the living God. And listen to this next part. Which giveth us all things richly to enjoy. I said, Lord, are you telling me to go and ask that lady about that motorhome? And Terry and Tiffany, they stopped and asked her before I ever told them they could. Rebellious woman that I'm married to and daughter. <clears throat> Found out it was greatly reduced. And then this next verse, listen to this. That they do good that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute. That's what we're trying to do right now in these meetings. Willing to communicate. And the Word of God, preached from the man of God, struck my heart in faith. And I believed it. And now i got something else to write around in. Now that's a simple little tangible illustration. 
I got spiritual stories I could tell too, but my time is gone. Here's what I want you to know. I want you to understand God's got more for your life. Take his word today. Don't wait. You got a major decision to make? You're standing in a crisis? You're grieving and you're overwhelmed? We don't grieve as others. Get your Bible down. Lord, is this where I'm supposed to be? Is this what you've got for me? Is there more for the kingdom? Show me, God, and I'll believe it. Chester Joash is nothing more than a simple opportunity to hear and see God move. Special time, what you going to do this year? I don't know. I know I've started preparing and praying. But the Lord could drop anything He wanted to on me. And if He's, we've already told Him. I'd like to give a bunch more. I'd like to be a part. Let me close. Can you get a, can you even see it? Can you see by faith a, a line of people? Some people from Togo, Africa. You've never been there. Can you see them? Because you'll see them in heaven that are meeting in that building we built for them this year. Can you see those Dominican little boys and girls running? How about those Haitians? Can you see them? Can you see, most recently, last week, those little New Yorkers with their Frisbees from 6th Avenue Baptist Church where we served a mission project? Can you even see it? Can you see the new children that will be flooding this building that are going to come to Jesus in that building between those two over there? Can you see it? If you can't, get your Bible down. The Lord will help you to see it. If our pastor has seen it, we can see it. Faith in God.